So welcome to Be and Think in the House of Trust. My name is Savannah Moison from Conscious Innovation, and my job is to support people to navigate transitions and put insights into thoughtful action to contribute to positive social and environmental change. And in this podcast, I invite people who ignite social and environmental impact through their investment of funds, resources, and commitments for a better world. Together, we explore the mental models, conditions, and actions that generate more trust, more effective and kind collaborations, more positive impact. So you'll hear me ask questions and pick up patterns and explore the way of thinking and highlight what uh, my guests do to navigate complexity and uncertainty. And today, I'm delighted to welcome Anna Young, the Executive Director of the Sustainability Accelerator at Chatham House. And prior to joining Chatham House, Anna worked at the Children's Investment Fund Foundation, where she led the land use and finance work stream of the climate change program. And between 2005 and 2008, Anna was the executive director of FSC Brazil's Forest Stewardship Initiative and later joined the International Finance Corporation's Sustainable Business Advisory Team, advising companies and investors on impact investment in the Amazon. And in a few moments, I will be inviting Anna to leap a few years ahead of now and meet her future self. Let's see what we discover together. And by all means, think along. Hi, Anna. Hi. So pleased to meet you and to have you uh, in the House of Trust today. Um, let's get started straight away. Sure. If you had literally up to five words, not six, to share about yourself and describe who you are and what you stand for, what would they be? Five words. Oh, God. I, I'm going to cheat a little bit because more than five words. But... Um, Architect of the future, wow. change maker, mm -hmm. enabler, mm -hmm. connector, and friend. Oh, wonderful. Ooh, gets me all fuzzy already. <laughs> so these are strong words. You are the executive director of the Sustainability Accelerator at Chatham House. That's a lot of architecture already. Yeah. yeah. And in this accelerator, it says you research, assemble, and incubate ideas, expertise, and energy that will help the world accelerate towards a sustainable future. That's what it's on the, you know, on the tin. Um, so What's we, <laughs> well, the tin is that we are a policy accelerator. Mm -hmm. We were launched two years ago. It is still, in my definition, a bit of an experiment. Mm. And the hypothesis is, uh, can we shorten the time frame between a policy idea, whether it's pu public policy or private policy, to policy implementation, mm. right? And if so, how can we do it? And how do we do it under the banner or the brand of Chatham House? So that's what the accelerator is about. Um, and it was sort of launched um, when Chatham House turned 100 years old during COVID. Mm -hmm. So there was quite a lot in terms of like we were, were housed within, hosted within an institution that has 
this 100 years of legacy and it really happened and and also this happened during COVID. So there's a lot of reflection about what is it, you know, what is our role of an international relations think tank in the Mm -hmm. future? Mm -hmm. And what is the role of a small team um, in an accelerator that, that can probably sort of transform and help um, accelerate change. So that's sort of the genesis of it. And then we spent the last two years and then also in our continuous work is, so what is it that we can do, right? To enable change Mm. um, for the future that we want to live in and whether, and always at the intersection of sustainability. And so we have broadly three ways of looking, I would say three objective. One is, mainstream sustainability and I use the concept of sustainability in a very very broad sense mm-hmm. and so everything we what we do is at the intersection of sustainability and international security sustainability of international law or governance sustainability with economic systems and finance so it's at the intersection of systems so that's one the second is what I call we bring the future to the present we want to understand where this future trend intersects with sustainability Mm-hmm. And how and how it has an iterative process with innovation, investment, and policy. But none of these things happen in, alone. So we want to understand when you combine these things and when you stare into the future, what does it mean and whether you can bring that closer, whether from a neg- sort of negative impact perspective or you can accelerate a positive change. Mm-hmm. So that's the second way of looking at it and then the third is you know as you and I will know change happens everywhere and mm-hmm. nexus of power happens everywhere other than in um, mainstream policy making and so one of the things that the accelerator aims to do is expand sort of the, the our sphere of influence expand bring new ways of thinking, diversity of mental model, diversity of approaches into sort of the people who come to Chatham House and interact with us, but also be part of that. So the way I I like to describe is we're this porous platform where knowledge, contact, uh, resource is mobilized to the where where it's most needed. Mm, mm. That's what that's accelerator. Wow, that's a full program. <laughs> it is, it is. And, it, it, you know, at the heart of it, it's it, it's all about partnership. And if I think about sort of an archetypal, like one is we are a um, network of networks. Like we sit on a node in the middle of network and we want to make sure that we are connected to many others, right? Because I don't think five people in a small team will change the world, but if you connect with the many others who are sitting at the nodes of network, then, you know, you will have enough momentum. And this is why we have to be generous about mobilizing connection, mobilizing knowledge, uh, mobilizing even financial resources, right? We have a small pot of money within Chatham House that we use to work with other teams at Chatham House so that Mm -hmm. they can work on sustainability issues with me. Mm -hmm. So we work as a little catalyst as well. Mm. Yeah, I can see now you feel so like a fish in water as you're an architect of the future, a change maker, an enabler, a connector and a friend. It's all around the relationship, the future relationship, current relationship, the convening of everything that matters, right? 
Yeah, yeah. And, and I mean, the, the realization about architect of the future, I think a friend of mine likes to say that he's in constant midlife crisis. And I think that's true. I'm also a person who is in constant midlife crisis. And then somebody else said the other day, it's like, no, 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 you in constant midlife transition. Ah, yeah. <laughs> And, <laughs> and well, you know, crisis always comes with crisis, there's opportunity. I think I'm always dissatisfied with status quo. Mm. Um, and when I look at my career path and I, when I look at the things that I'm interested in, and I also realize that, you know, I'm 48. Mm-hmm. I have, what, 30 years of productive life ahead of me. And I know that I'm slightly delusional thinking that I can definitely change the world. But I also know that I'm not sure that in 30 years, the world's going to be very dramatically different to the one that we, maybe it will be, maybe it won't. And so I'm kind of accepting the limitations of what I can do within my lifetime, Mm. especially within the next 30 years. And so what I have sort of accepted that what I can do is work at the building blocks Mm. for the future that I want to live in or for the future that my nieces will inherit from me. Mm. And this is why I kind of landed in, you know, my role in the world is to be an architect of the future together with many others, right? We're all sort of trying to activate change, but I want to do it in a systemic level where I understand the interplay between the pieces the role of democracy, the role of education, the role of governance, the, and the role of you know soft institutions like law or even hard infrastructures like buildings. And so things start to move beyond climate change and sustainability on mm. things that I work in. This is why when I say, when I think about sustainability, I think it from a very, very broad concept and the way I describe it so that it kind of keeps me grounded is sustainability has three aspects it is in my interpretation it's all about fairness so it's Mm. fairness among all human beings yeah it's fairness among human beings and non-human beings and then it is fairness uh, it it is intergenerational fairness and so it brings a temporal aspect it brings our relationship with nature but also it brings our relationship with other human beings and for me that is the essence of for me the the discussion about sustainability and so when I think about being the architect of the future that kind of becomes the 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 north star yeah yeah I'm hearing different things as well is that the the future is what is going to be and it will probably be not perceived or lived the same way by whoever is alive then yeah (laughs) But it's certainly also um, not lived and perceived the same way in the present. And that brings me to something that you said earlier. I think I read something from you that that went like this. It probably is not enough just to be sustainable. Mm. We may need to aspire to a more regenerative future, one that is not only balancing but replenishing. So I'd like to, as you, you know, yeah. people might not know, but you come, you come from Brazil. Yeah. Let's paint a picture. Imagine for someone who is living in Mare, so for listeners who are not familiar familiar with that area, it's an agglomeration of 16 favelas in in Rio uh, North Zone in Brazil. Mm -hmm. It's the largest complex of favelas in the city and 
I was privileged to meet with people there, uh, activists, local entrepreneurs, young people, local artists, teachers, a vibrant, vibrant community. They've got a lot of energy and creativity. They're constantly fighting against various political forces, military forces, uh, minimum state participation, so climate as well. And despite this, they manage, women particularly, managed mm. to make extraordinary things happen for the community. They elevate each other which is there, that's a strong architecture going on there. Yeah. Some pay the price, even with their life, because they're involved in that fight. And I wonder, Anna, what does a replenishing future mean, really, for someone in this neighborhood, for instance, mm. in real pragmatic terms? Mm. I, you know, I, I am Brazilian. I was born and raised in Brazil. By, and my parents, you know, we come from as in my parents are economic migrants who left Taiwan with not even enough money to go back if things didn't yeah. work out. Mm -hmm. But still, they gave us a life of, you know, more privilege and access than somebody who grows up in, in favela. And so I think when I talk about the regenerative future, I think it starts from the human being from yourself or one mm. oneself right for someone who lives and the example that you give like women working in the favela it is looking after themselves looking after their families and giving back mm. more than they just replenishing right mm. so mm. is whenever we can we give more than we take Mm. And then you can expand it from the individual level to the family level, to the community level. I think, you know, my, my, my learning and reflection about regenerative future is still evolving because it's, it's, a, it's a concept that captures people's imagination, but there's a lot of definitions mm. around it. So one thing that I'm, I'm trying to un understand, like the wrappings and the boundaries of it, it is that sort of give back more than what we take and we beyond the balance, right? I think that's mm -hmm. one thing. I think something else is sort of the system level thinking that we are part of a much bigger or multiple systems. Mm -hmm. And I think when you are dealing with the day-to-day -day, uh, challenges, sometimes it's really hard to understand your role in the bigger system. Mm -hmm. But I do find inspiration from you know, activists working, especially those who are not from the same economic privilege that I have today, mm -hmm. to always bring that positive outlook into everything that they do, even if there is constant threat, whether it's against their livelihood or, or you know, the constant almost um, threat that can come from the state, right? Mm -hmm. And so, I completely understand that when I say about regenerative future, it feels from much stronger place of privilege than from somebody else who is living the day to day, which is much more complicated than mine. And that's why I have like a much deeper admiration for those who are able to sort of rise above, you know, the basic Maslow pyramid of just like feeding your family, feeding yourself, having personal health, personal safety yeah, to what it's else military bullets too. exactly yeah. exactly yeah. and and so for when i also talk about this is why it's aspirational because mm. that future is not accessible to everyone today yeah and i think what i can do what i want to be able to do is then help work towards the building blocks right that can provide that access to everybody and this is where i want to 
turn back to the point about the fairness to everybody. Mm-hmm. Oh, thank you, Fat. Again, the b- building blocks. That nuance is subtlety as well of approaching each and everyone's situation differently yeah. and with care. Mm. So let's continue on your journey, on the journey here and, and on that same sustainability, that wide theme of sustainability. Yeah. So I'm going to share seven words with you. I like the okay. spot numbers, <laughs> five, seven. And I will ask you to make a choice. Okay. I invite you to make a choice. So we talk about the seven R's of sustainability. And maybe it's old-fashioned nowadays. I think one of them I would happily change. But anyway, that's not for me to say now. So here are the seven R's. Rethink, refuse, reduce, reuse, repair. Regift and recycle. Mm. And Anna, I would love to invite you to think about the following. Which one do you feel most attracted to at the moment, as in today, I, today, the day we are today, based on your context, the news, your relationships, your knowledge, what's coming up for you? Rethink. Rethink. Oh, I'm yeah. my best friend. <laughs> Well, because I think this is this goes back to, you know, about change, right? Uh-huh. And this is something that I also grapple with all the time is I know, and it's really easy for people who work as change makers that like, oh, the, the, the capitalist system is completely wrong or your current political system is completely wrong. We have to bring down everything. Mm-hmm. So there's kind of, I'm using as a shorthand, that's more like a revolution kind of approach. Mm-hmm. And then you have on the other spectrum, like an evolution, which is like, okay, you know, this is not great, but we do a bit of tinkering around the edges and we just slowly potter around. Mm. And then I think there's something in the middle, or at least I think there's something in the middle, which is kind of reform, which is you reform from within, but it's not only tinkering from around the edges, but it's also not bringing down the entire system because I'm always terrified of, you know, we look at history, revolutions, if you don't have um, new things in place ready, when you bring down old structure, what follows is chaos, mm-hmm. right? And, and so, <laughs> well, yeah, and so that, exactly. So I think that's where, like, and I'm, 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 I'm a pragmatist. So, and this is maybe why I work at Chatham House now, right? It's just mm-hmm. like I do think that if anything, where I can deploy my best ability because different people are different have different skill sets is to work on the space of rethink and when i talk about rethink is just understand like the multiple layers of change that we need i mean at the heart of it is that we have to change our culture and the norms right it, it is at what are the values that humanity needs but obviously because using sort of the framework that uh, the futures and foresight practitioners use is you have at the at the bottom of this the culture and then on top of its layer is our governance and institutions and then you have like hard infrastructures and then you have fast fashion right it's the pace of change but also how entrenched they are it kind of touches on why some of the things that we touch, we we work on uh, on the accelerator is around finance because finance is an enabler, mm-hmm. and finance is also today it reflects a kind of value that we no longer, I no longer find true, mm-hmm. and when I speak with change makers, 
even if change, even make change makers who work in the mainstream financial system where they feel that deep sense of disconnect, right? Which is like, I have my own values, but institutions that I work in or the regulations or, you know, the, the, that I'm part of, the, the regulatory framework that I'm part, part of no longer reflect that and they feel kind of stuck in it. And so when I talk about the seven R's and the rethink, the R that's linked to rethink is the one that I can activate something is because I work in a think tank. You know, mm. if anything is we can challenge institutions, regulations that we have put in place decades ago that was valid for that moment in time that mm. may not be valid for the future. And so we just need to be able to shake those. And it is in my deep belief that there's cracks everywhere. And this is a quote from, is it Leonard Cohen? That every time I listen to that music, it may give me goosebumps, right? There's cracks everywhere. And that's why the light comes in. Oh, and if I can do anything, I yeah. shake up the crack for more lights to come in. Yeah. And then you rebuild with a, a little exactly. bit of gold. Exactly. Yeah. And then so green shoots can come out. So more things. So this is the thing. It's like I'm I'm terribly scared of, especially because I work at Chatham House, like a lot of us are in conflict and we are in the, we are in the middle of a conflict. So, you know, mm. there is all this tension between the war. Do you negotiate? Do you not negotiate? All of that. That's just everybody's day to day. Right. I mean, some day to day as in people's life in, in Ukraine, or we talk about the, the, the someone living in Maraya, it's that constant violence. Oh. And what I can do is using my place. Uh, I feel really privileged. I work at Chatham House so that I have that ability. I have that space to, to, to connect with others so that I can rethink. Mm. So I then need to use that as a, an opportunity to shake up those institutions mm. that surrounds us that no longer works. Right. Wow. So rethink, uh, breaking things, putting them to to a good death, and create all the new things. Right. Yeah. So let's continue our travel and time. And now it's the time for a wee leap in the future. Are you ready? Yeah. I always live in the future. <laughs> oh, good. So that's going to be really, really uh, fantastic and really appropriate for that next uh, little game. So you wake up. You look at your phone, mm -hmm. 6 a.m., and it's the 2nd of January, 2030. 2030, okay. Yeah. And after replenishing New Year's break, no details there, you're going back to work. Mm -hmm. And since June 2028, you are the 15th president of the World Bank Group after having succeeded to Ajay Banga. Yeah, okay. you're still in position. Back to work. <laughs> and yes, this year is the iconic year 2030. For the past 15 years, people, nations, organizations, NGOs, companies have paid attention and for some even structured their work around the 17 sustainable development goals. And all these goals were structured around the five pillars of the 2030 agenda. Uh, yet another odd number. And the five pillars are the following. People, planet, prosperity, peace, and partnerships. And maybe the results are not what we hoped there would be. Some of them were great, some of them less great. And we know that the work doesn't stop now just because it's 2030, but here it is. And so you are Anna Young, you bring magic, as in uh, almost real magic, you know, it's a game. There is no consequence, no obstacle, and 
uh, heads of states and contributing nations are giving you the mandate to activate something unheard of to wrap up that goal thing. <laughs> but you can only act on one of the five pillars because mm. budget rights, okay. There's always a constraint. I'd like you to give me the head title of your announcement. What is it that you are going to activate under one of these five pillars? Mm. You've got 10 seconds. No, no, I think just to start with, I'm not sure my dream job is to work at the World Bank. Oh, well, yes. <laughs> take what you take. <laughs> I mean, I, it was. This is why I went Finance. to the IFC. But uh, yeah, I didn't last very long in the international development finance world. Um, so I think what I would really work on is on people. Mm -hmm. Because... And people and education is, well, education is actually at the heart of it. I'm not an education expert, but education is what enabled, what my parents enabled me to break the economic cycle that we live in mm. to get into the place I am in now. Mm. And it's, it's the biggest opportunity that we can give to any human being so that they can realize their potential, right? It's... Yeah. It's an option that everybody will have access. So, and obviously I do think that plan is really important, but I do think that if we give, I'm a believer that if we give people education and we invest in them, they will make the decision to understand that we have to live in peace and in with each other and that we have to live in, you know, in harmony with nature. So I will start with people. That would be my biggest announcement because oh, I don't think we invest in people enough. And people can't see it, but you, there is this array of light that's coming to your face right now and a beautiful <laughs> smile as if it's a sense <laughs> of relief. See, it wasn't that hard to be uh, heading the World Bank group. Well, yeah. <laughs> So I know yeah. we you probably gave me a lot of triggers. I was like, oh my God, my life and I have seen. Ah, but there's a weekend for that. I, I leave it, I leave it to you to uh, rethink <laughs> all these topics. So uh, we um thank you for for your announcement. And I, I see that that kind of constant pattern here, the rethinking and, and engaging with people, that connective sense that you have as well is, is coming up here again. Yeah. And what more do you think, Phil, or want to say that would give people agency to act for a more sustainable replenishing future? What would give people more agency? Oof. So other than Chatham House, I also, you know, sit on boards of philanthropies. And it's really interesting that in the end, it all boils down to human beings. Mm. And it, I feel that sometimes, you know, we get to the point that we don't. Somebody, I was having this really interesting conversation yesterday um, that they said, oh, you know, at the board level, sometimes it feels like it's playground politics, you know, and it's true. And so I think my takeaway and what I always carry with myself and the recommendation I can give people is work on yourself. You know, do the deep work on yourself because a lot of things will become easier. And I know that it's hard if you have to make ends meet to put food on the table for a lot of people. But for, for those who are in our network and for those who want to change the world, having a well-balanced 
self-awareness, self-confidence, and also understanding where our shortcomings are mm. is a really, really good start because that links back to the deepest connection about one's purpose. Mm. And to, you know, one thing you talk about when in the earlier point you were saying about, so, uh, you know, in Marae that, you know, sometimes your life is threatened because it links to your purpose. And I think that's, that's the most, almost like the most honorable thing that somebody can do is when you sacrifice yourself for the purpose, for your, for the purpose of your life, for something that you deeply believe in. Yeah, I give him goosebumps every every time I talk about it. And this is a conversation that I always have with Bill Sharp, who who is one of the creators of Three Horizon Methodology, which I'm a huge fan of. Mm. And Bill always reminds me of like when you you have that deep connection with who, what the things that you really believe in, then you can keep on going. And the journey of change making is really hard. Mm. It's very lonely. Mm-hmm. But also at the same time, there are many others that you can connect with. And so when things are really hard for me, because, you know, you look at climate change news and stuff, you're like, oh, my God, you know, I want to cut my wrist with a plastic knife because wow. like, right, because it's like that slow death of despair. But at the same time, like, it doesn't really matter, right? We have to keep on fighting because we have to believe that an alternative better future is very possible and I don't know whether when push comes to shove I will be able to sacrifice myself for climate change I don't know but the image that uh, whenever I I feel kind of slightly um, when I get into mode of despair on you know sort of get stuck in the present of when things are hard is the image of tank men you know if you're old enough you're the tank men in Tiananmen Square and I was just like, well, you are sacrificing yourself in the name of freedom. Oh. Mm. I get emotional every time I talk about this. Oh. I was like, okay, so if I can aspire to that, well, if somebody can do that and I can aspire to that, many others can. Mm. And what a takeaway from you is that even in rethinking and taking the time to, taking a pause, making a pause and taking the time to think, even if it's one minute, it's already an act of creation and an act of change in itself. Yeah. Ask a question. Yeah. And it's an act of self-love because if you don't love yourself, you can't love others and you can't love the planet. Right. On this note, thank you so much for oh, these deep thoughts and these invitations that you share and these uh, and the ability to be uh, put on the spot and reflect and give us your take as, as your future self. Thank you so much. Well, look, thank you. <laughs> I look forward to welcoming you all back to the House of Trust again soon. And if you don't want to miss the next episode, subscribe to the show anywhere you can find your lovely podcast. For more insights and opportunities to think independently for yourself or to engage with your team in a replenishing time to think, head to my website, sevanwazon.co.uk. You can also sign up for my regular conscious innovation updates for people who love to invest in social change and ignite a positive impact. I look forward to connecting with you and listening to you. Goodbye. Goodbye.